What does the Bible say about angels and demons? In the celestial realm, an endless war rages on. A battle between the forces of light and darkness, angels and demons. Spiritual warfare is all around us. But how does this supernatural conflict impact us? Can Christians be possessed by demons? Do guardian angels exist? Is it possible for me to see an angel? To learn how the Bible offers guidance on how to navigate this supernatural conflict and overcome the influence of evil forces, here is Pastor Jim Scudder Jr. with today's message. It's one of those kind of scary topics in some ways. Maybe not angels. I don't think any of you are, are spooked or scared by the concept of these spirit beings that are good, that are holy, that are righteous, and that are hopefully helping us, protecting us. But certainly we would be uh, very spooked at the concept of these same angelic beings that are evil, that have fallen, and that are nefarious. And so what we're going to do today and next time is we're going to talk about this, this cosmic battle of the unseen world. And I, and I do believe in 100% that these things exist. And I'm going to explain why. I mean, number one, it's because <laughs> it's what this says. I mean, it's, it's very clear that there are angels and there are demons from Scripture. Okay? I'll just tell you this. I've never physically seen an angel or a demon other than my wife. Uh, the angel. The angel, of course. I've got to be very clear on how I speak. But uh, I didn't mention my mother-in-law, did I? <laughs> She's another angel. <laughs> and I'm going to have to uh, go somewhere else for lunch today. <laughs> but think about this. Think about the fact that the Bible clearly tells us about angels and demons. And so we're going to discuss that and, and find out what it has to say and also learn how it impacts us. And today we're going to talk about angels. And so, you know, this will be the, definitely the, the lighter of the two messages. Uh, but we need to know probably more about the demons than we do about the angels. If the angels are helpful and uh, used of God in, in great ways uh, for our good, uh, that's wonderful. We need to know about it. We need to think about it. But we, we really need to know is what can demons do? How will they affect us? Uh, how have they affected the world? Where are they? What are they doing? So that one, if you're going to miss one, this is the one to miss, okay? I remember reading a story about a man walking down the street with a penguin following him. Just the strangest thing. And there was a security guard that, that saw all of this, went up to the man and said, sir, do you know you have a penguin following you? He said, yeah. He said, well, you go right back to the zoo, so the man, okay, went back to the zoo, and uh, after like 30, 40 minutes, the security guard saw the man walking down the street, and the penguin was walking right behind him again. And he said, I thought you went back to the zoo with the penguin. He said, I did. He loved it. Now we're going to the library. <laughs> Have you ever thought of the fact that there may be angels following you around? You know, one of the things we're going to talk about are guardian angels. And I just believe that there are guardian angels. We don't find that word, the term in the Bible, but I certainly think we can find the, 
the concept. And as I, as I have lived with many of you growing up, I think that we don't just have one guardian angel. Some of you have dozens of guardian angels or you wouldn't be here. But we're going to talk about this. And the first question we're going to ask and answer is what are angels and where are they? Where do they live? So as I think through these things, I think about Colossians 1, where it clearly tells us in verse 16, for by him were all things created. Now, would that include, if there are angels, wouldn't that include angels? It, it, that, that by him, which we, we know this is actually Jesus, the, the son of God, the second person of the Trinity, the father, the son, and the spirit. The son is the creator. And by him were all things created. Now you say, well, yeah, how do we know then that would include angels? Well, look at the next words. That are in heaven and that are in earth Visible and invisible. There are things that exist that you cannot see. I mean, there's a lot of things that exist that you cannot see. One, most of the time, you can't see electricity. Every now and then you can when a lightning bolt comes out of the sky and it nearly takes you out. Guardian angels, right? Uh, think about it. There's lots of things in this world. You can't see gravity, but certainly... If I jumped off this stage, I don't know that angels would catch me. And uh, certainly I would believe in gravity after I jumped off the stage. And so there are many things that, we, that, are, that God created that exist that we cannot see. I mean, it's nice to be able to see things and we know there are real things in life. But there are also things that are created that are invisible, that we, we know exist but we cannot see. And then it says, whether they be thrones... So, in this sense, we're going to really look at this next time. It's connecting here invisible things with thrones. So you have visible and invisible. A throne is a, a seat of power. In this country, we would call it the Oval Office. The seat of power in our country is the president. Of course, we've divided the power. We tried to with three equal uh, branches of government that all are checking and balancing the other out. But it's still the, the seat of power is the, the chair at the Oval Office. But, you know, in many cultures and countries, uh, past and even present, there was an actual throne. <laughs> and so we have a visible throne, but we also have an invisible entity that's trying to influence that king, that president. And, and again, next time we're going to really look at that. And I believe that 100% there are, demo, demo, there's demonic activity influencing governments and leaders in this world. I, I think there's no, well, no other way to explain the evil and the debauchery that is going on in this world where we're telling little children that if they feel like a different gender, they can go have some sort of medication or, or surgery. This is, this is crazy. This can only be explained by demons, I think. That, that we would actually be promoting these types of things in our world. But this is it. Visible, invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him. This is Jesus. And for him. You say, well, wait a second. And why would God create demons? Well, again, you're going to have to wait for that next time. But angels from this and these other verses, we know that angels are spirit beings. 
God created them. They occupy the heavenly spheres. Now, they don't just occupy heaven. Uh, good angels, what we're talking about today, unfallen angels, holy angels, righteous angels, that is where they generally live, but they are not confined to that. If you were to look at their driver's license, uh, pilot's license, I thought that was funnier than you did, uh, you would see their home address would be heaven, but they can come, they, they, God will give them assignments, and, and many of those assignments are right here. All right, so they occupy these heavenly spheres. Uh, look at in Mark 13, in verse 32, we're told about the return of Jesus to this earth, but that day and the hour knows no man, not even the angels that are in heaven. So we get the, the idea that angels, generally speaking, live in heaven. They're created by God. They generally live where he is, which is in heaven right now. And we also find that there are different types of angels in the Bible. Um, in, in Revelation, when we read Revelation 4, we look at this throne room scene of heaven. We get a glimpse by John, who wrote the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. What we can't see, but we know exists, is heaven. And at, in heaven, there's a throne. And on the throne is God the Father. And around the throne, there are these four angelic beings. Okay, it, it, Revelation, the, the translation that I used, because it has the, the best uh, manuscript evidence and the best accuracies, the King James, the King James says that these are beasts. Now, when we hear beast, we're usually thinking of uh, like, you know, kind of scary, a beast. Uh, but, but I would look at these as living creatures, worshipful creatures, or cherubs, or the plural cherubim, okay? And, and let's read the verse about these four worshipful, worshipful angelic creatures, these cherubim that are around the throne of God. It says in Revelation 4, 6, and before the throne... There was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts, these four living creatures, these angelic creatures, full of eyes before and behind. The first beast was like a lion. It had features like the lion. The second, like a calf. The third had the face of a man, and the fourth, uh, like a flying eagle. And someone has noted that those four angelic beings represent the four uh, uh, created uh, spheres on day six when God, you know, that you have the, the lion who's uh, the, the one that would be in control of uh, the, the, the planes. Uh, you have here the, uh, you have the, the eagle that would be the, the most majestic creature in the skies. Uh, we know that you have the calf, the, the, the creature that's most prevalent in uh, in the grazing areas, and then you have man, who is the uh, not equated with those other creatures, but certainly uh, the most important creature of God in all of day six creation. So you have these these four angelic beings with these different features that tie into God's creation of this planet, and the four beasts in verse eight each had six wings. So I don't know if you know this, but when that camera's on, let's go to that camera right now. There it is. Okay. When that camera's on, do I have wings right now? 
I don't. Oh yeah, go to the, there we go. Look, I've got, I've got wings. Now my, I told this to my wife and she said, well, do you have angelic wings or demon wings? So that maybe that's why I said what I said at the beginning. Okay. But angels have wings. Or at least we, we imagine them too, right? Well, here they do. They have six wings. We're going to find in a different passage in the Old Testament, a very similar descriptive of these angelic beings, these cherubim that have six wings. And we're going to read why six wings, but we'll save that for a little bit. So they had six wings about him. They were full of eyes within and they rest day or night. So I get from this, at least the cherub angels, that category of angel And some people have looked at like a hierarchy of angels. I'm not sure if there's a hierarchy, but certainly God has created certain spirit beings for certain purposes. These were created for continual worship. They don't rest day or night. I I think angels don't have the need to sleep. Okay, And they say, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. These, These cherub, these angelic beings... This created order of angel was given the task to magnify the power and holiness of God in worship and praise. And the Bible also talks about how we'll be able to join in with this worship and this praise around the throne. And we can't even imagine the millions of voices that will join in in unison to bring praise and glory to God led by these four angelic creatures, these cherubim. We also find in Genesis that God assigned the cherub to guard the Garden of Eden from re-entry after sin. We also find them on the Ark of the Covenant, bowing down to the seat on earth of God's holy presence. Then we find a different term. We only find this one place in Scripture, but it's called Seraph, the plural seraphim. Okay, now we're not sure if this is an actual category of angel or if this is just the way that an angel at this point manifests himself, but it means, seraph means fiery or bright. So look in Isaiah 6, it says in the first part, uh, the second part of, of verse one, I saw unto the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up. Now this is sounding very similar, isn't it? To what we just read in Revelation. His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, the plural of seraph. Each one had six wings, okay? We remember that, that was in Revelation. These seraphim, six wings, very similar to the uh, cherub, With twain, or two, he covered his face. With twain, he covered his feet. And with two, twain, he he used them to fly. Isn't that interesting? So we see here the six wings all had a, a purpose. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So you see here, very similar picture that we saw in Revelation. Angels proclaiming the holiness of God. Is God holy? Absolutely. 
There's nothing wrong. There's nothing evil. There's nothing sinful about God. He is three times holy. And I hope that we can join in with the angels in our hearts even right now and say, holy, 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 Lord God almighty. That wonderful, wonderful thought of these angelic beings bringing praise to God continually. And then we find another type of angel in the Bible, and this is called the archangel. Arch just simply means the first or the leader of, and we actually get a name. We don't get very many names in the Bible for angels. We only get three names. Two are unfallen or holy angels, and one of them is right here. This is Michael, the archangel. Now, is an archangel just uh, an angel assigned by God to lead the angels? Or does this angel have, you know, not just leadership ability or leadership assignment, but this is an angel or, and the angels that he leads, do they have uh, war capabilities? Do they have different attributes that, that God created them with so that they could uh, go to war against those forces of evil and to protect those that belong to God? And we find that the, that the archangel, especially Michael, the archangel, had this, uh, this ability to fight against, uh, the, the evil of the world. We find it in Daniel. We also find it in Revelation. So Daniel, we know that that already happened. There was, there was a galactic war that was happening between Michael, the archangel, and his forces of good angels against these demon angels. And it took a long time for the message from God to get to Daniel. We also know in Revelation 12, verse 7, it says there's war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. That's in the future. That's in the tribulation period. And the dragon fought and his angels. So we have this this archangel and the idea of an angel that can fight. Maybe an angel equipped with offensive and defensive weaponry and skill and ability. Michael, the archangel, the leader. And how many of you are named Michael in here? How many of you are named Michael? All right, be very afraid. Of Michael. No, you, it's a wonderful thing to know that God has created these angelic beings for protection and for our good. He's described as an angelic prince, which means he's the leader of angels. And then we have another angel or a type of angel, and that is an announcing angel. Now we have a name for an announcing angel. The name is, do you know? Gabriel. Gabriel. We have a Gabriel on staff, and I love when he uses the full name. Sometimes he'll say, I'm Gabe. In Israel, one time, uh, the, the people we were filming and, and, and working with, they really couldn't understand Gabe because it just sounded like uh, something else, and they weren't getting Finally, he says, I am Gabriel. <laughs> and he kind of said it. He's got a great voice. I am Gabriel. And, and they, they, they totally got it then. So Gabriel was a, an announcing angel. He brought the message to Daniel in the Old Testament, but he, uh, from God, but we also know that that Gabriel brought a message to a a young woman who lived in Nazareth that she was going to be the mother of the Messiah. We also read an, an announcing angel came to Joseph. It doesn't say it was Gabriel, but my guess it was Gabriel, and also giving him the announcement to not be afraid that this one that is in her, is not of a man. You don't have to fear that she has been unfaithful. And, and he listened to that angel. And that same angel, Gabriel, the Bible tells us, went to Zacharias. 
and told him that he would be the father of John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner of the Messiah. So Gabriel is the one that was bringing messages in Luke one twenty six. It tells us about Gabriel bringing this message to Mary. The sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And what a wonderful thing that would be to have an angel come and appear and, and speak to you. Wonderful, but yet scary, right? Like something that doesn't happen every day. Again, I've never heard audibly or seen an angel, but I believe in them. I believe there are angels here now, right here, right now. You say, what are you talking about? Hey, I I really believe that, that there are angels around us. Can't see them, but we know they're here. Now, what do angels look like? Well, Daniel described Gabriel as a man, so we know that they can at least appear in various forms, but at least they can appear as a man, and they can physically do things like us. Look at John 20, verse 12, when Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, she saw two angels in white sitting. So humans are kind of unique in that we sit, And she saw these two angels sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet of where Jesus' body had laid. Okay, So these angels can have at least the appearance of physical properties. My guess is they generally do do look human when they do appear, but I think they can appear in in different manifestations, different brightnesses. Sometimes people can see angels, sometimes... All, all the people can see angels, but sometimes it's just uh, God gives certain people certain ability to see them. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But we have Gabriel, the announcing angel, that has made these appearances, and Daniel described him as looking like a man. We also know that there are not just announcing angels, but declaring angels, because in Revelation 5.2... John said, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? Who is worthy? Of course, we know that they would find one and only one, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus could open up the seals of the prophecies, the title deed of the earth, fulfilling an end to the promise of redemption and putting down all evil in the tribulation. And then we find in Revelation 5, verse 11, that many angels speak praise in unison. I beheld, in verse 11, and I heard the voice of many angels. Just imagine this. Imagine this. The voice of many angels around the throne... And the beast, those were the four creatures we talked about. And then the elders, the, the 24 elders, I believe the 12 are the 12 apostles. Uh, the other 12 are the 12 tribes of Israel. And the number of them, I believe this is referring to the many angels, 10,000 times 10,000. Do the math, that's 100 million. In one voice, thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb that was slain 
to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Can you even imagine what that would sound like? Millions upon millions of angels speaking in unison, us with them, bringing praise and glory to God, for he is worthy. To Jesus, for he is worthy. So how many angels are there? Well, we just kind of answered that question in, in some sense. It's interesting because in Hebrews 12, 22, it's talking about the, the future kingdom, the future uh, when heaven comes to earth. And it says, look at Hebrews 12, 22. It says that when you come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly, heavenly Jerusalem, and to what? An innumerable company of angels. Innumerable. Does that mean that there are, there are, uh, there's a infinite number of angels? Well, that would be kind of weird, right? An infinite number of angels. How many is that? Well, it's infinite. Now, I, I feel like God created a finite number, but there's a lot. This isn't saying it's, it's infinite. I believe it's saying it's just a lot. Okay. Now we just read 10,000 times 10,000, thousands of thousands, a hundred, Million, my, my guess, if there is such a thing as guardian angels, I'm guessing that God has created one or more for every person ever conceived. So that would be in the billions, right, of humans throughout time. And so I feel like there's a finite number that's in the millions of millions or uh, the low billions. In Daniel 7.10, this is a very similar passage, a fiery steam issued and came forth from before him, thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, the books were opened. You see the same theme, don't we, uh, throughout both the Old and the New Testament, and the angels that are part of God's created order. Now, do we have guardian angels? You're hoping we get to this. Again, we don't find the actual term guardian angel in the Bible. But that doesn't mean that it's not still a truth. Why? Because we have the concept. Here are two, two passages, and there are a few others, that lead me to believe that we have guardian angels. Jesus, in Matthew 18, verse 10, was talking about the importance of protecting the little ones. Remember, Jesus would say, bring them to me. Oh, no, he's too busy, too important. No, he's like, no, bring them to me. And do not offend them. Do not do anything to harm them. Do not hurt them. Do not abuse them. Why? Because they're pretty helpless, right? These children. So Jesus says, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven, their angels, that's interesting, their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Now you think, is the guardian angel kind of just walking behind you, ready to kind of grab you and help you? And you know, as you start to trip or fall, well, that would be great because that means we would we never ever get hurt. But we know we do get hurt. But I don't think we ever get hurt if we're in the will of God in a way that's outside the will of God. Okay. But I do believe there are times in our life, and we might not even realize it, that we were protected, we were saved from death by an angel. Okay? And maybe it's just the angel in heaven 
coming before the father and just saying, hey, you know, th- th- we got to watch this person. We got to help this person. Okay. And then look at Psalm 91. It says, very interesting, verse 11, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. So whether it's an angel assigned to you or just angels in general are there to help you and protect you, I believe in the idea of angels protecting, helping. We can call them guardian angels, I think. It's interesting, as I was studying this out, we were driving on a filming trip. We just did a short one this week to southern Illinois. We're doing a series for Thanksgiving on sowing and reaping. We have relatives downstate. My wife's uncles are farmers, and they're planting right now. They just started planting. And so we filmed them planting. I got to drive Darren Bailey's tractor. No, he did not let me plant any seeds because then the whole harvest would be ruined. But uh, we were able to do some film. On the way down uh, to this filming trip, as I was studying, I asked one of the film guys to drive for me. It was really nice, kind of like a chauffeur. I'm getting used to this. So. Um, uh, and, and I'm working on my laptop and, and, and comparing scripture. I start talking to, talking to these guys about it because both of the film guys that were with me were either a current Bible college student or a graduate of Spring Bible College. And uh, just starting to see kind of what they thought about angels and all these concepts. We started talking about guardian angels and, you know, is it biblical? And we're, we're talking and it, and, and it couldn't have been five minutes later. All of a sudden I'm down looking at my computer again, working and I, and I hear them go, whoa, like, whoa, should I look up? Should I look down? Should I get down? What should I do? Well, a big truck in front of us had lost the tread and it went flying. It was coming right at the windshield. And it just went to one side and just missed us. And they explained this to me, and all three of us in unison said, guardian angels. I'm telling you, the weirdest things. So I, I can't explain it. I can't say that you're going to be protected from every little accident, because sometimes God allows things to happen. We don't know why, but I think often he does protect us sometimes without us even knowing it. You ever get a flat tire and you, you're mad, you're angry, but maybe if you had gotten a flat tire, the angel put that little nail right in your path. I don't know. Uh, you would have been in a, in a head-on collision down the intersection. We don't know all of these things, but I certainly believe that God uses his holy angels to help us and to protect us. Can we see angels? Well, obviously with our natural eyes, if angels are around even right now, we cannot see them. But there are many times in scripture where God gives supernatural vision. In 2 Kings 6, 7, Elisha wanted his servant to be able to see what he was seeing as the armies were coming against them. Elisha Elisha knew that there were armies of God around them as well. And it looked hopeless to the servant, but Elisha knew because he could see these angelic beings that they were going to be okay. Look at in, in 2 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, 2 Kings 6, 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. That's cool. You believe that, Pastor Scudder? Absolutely I do. I think God protects us. And, and there are things that are there. We cannot see, but... And, 
I don't know that he'll ever let us see it, but certainly would it be wrong for you to pray, Lord? Let me, let me see. I don't know. I don't think it's wrong. Even Balaam's donkey could see the angels. Numbers 23, 31. Kept stopping. Balaam was really mad. But the, 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 the donkey, I'll use the biblical, the King James word, the ass, uh, kept stopping and Balaam was mad and was beating the, the donkey. And, and finally, the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam and saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way. The donkey could see it, but he couldn't. With a sword drawn in his hand and bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. If, if that donkey had gone further, Balaam would have died. Balaam was going to go curse Israel. And so these are beings that are real, that are there, but we just can't see them with our natural eyes. We need supernatural vision. They might be disguised. You might not never, you might not ever know that they're angels. Now, this is a really interesting passage in Hebrews. Look at Hebrews 13, 2. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. What does that mean? Well, there's an interesting story in the Bible about Abraham sitting in his tent and it was hot and three men come and, and, and that culture and that society and this is something we should really do too. They were very much into entertaining and being hospitable. So Abraham invited the three to come in. I think two were angels and one was the Lord himself. A pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus, the third man. And he entertained them. And in Hebrews, it tells us, be careful not to forget to entertain strangers because some have, Abraham, Lot, have entertained angels unawares. Now, those two angels in the next chapter, the, the, the Lord had told Abram, Abraham that, uh, that <clears throat> Sodom was going to be destroyed. And then the, and Abraham asked that, that wouldn't it be if there so many people were found righteous in Sodom and, and, and no one was except for Lot. And so the next chapter talks about two angels entering Sodom. I think those are the two angels that were with the Lord at Abraham's tent. Why didn't the Lord go to Sodom? Because Lot, although he was a believer, was living a carnal life and the Lord doesn't want to have fellowship with you if you're living a carnal life but it's still there to help protect and get them out of there and remove them from that wicked city. The city was wicked because of homosexuality. Okay. Well, what else? What else do we know about angels? Number five, should we worship angels? Revelation 22 verse eight, and this is a natural thing as you're, uh, uh, learning all of the things that John was learning about the future and about the end times. He, he, he was going to bow down and it said he did. It says uh, in verse eight of Revelation 22, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. And just as some of the apostles, as they were bringing the gospel into the world were, uh, were being worshiped, they said, no, 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 don't worship. Don't worship me. Don't worship an angel, <laughs> and then said he unto me, verse nine, see thou, do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. So the, so the angel or the angels are going to be in favor of those that belong to God. But you don't worship them. You don't pray to them. 
He says, worship God. The angel says, don't worship angels. Worship God. The only one you should ever, ever worship in your life is God. Do angels get married? Angels have, uh, you know, are their husband and wife? Do they have little angel children? I know some of you uh, have children and you don't think they're angels, but uh, wait until your grandparents, then you'll think they're angels. Well, and, and Jesus was teaching about marriage and divorce, and, and he said in Matthew twenty two thirty, for in the resurrection, they neither marry or giving to marriage. That means uh, the saints, uh, when we're in glory, we won't have those same um, relationships. I'm sure they'll be uh, relational and all that, but it won't be the same as marriage. But the but as are the angels of God in heaven. So we find that the angels don't have those uh, relationships that we do. So the angels do not get married. What else do we know about angels? Well, the Bible is full of stuff. We don't have time to talk about it, but let's talk about a couple of things that I know from Scripture that talk about angels. Angels are mentioned at least 108 times in the Old Testament and 165 times in the New Testament. That's a lot, right? Angels are talked about a lot in the Bible. In those verses, we find that angels don't die. They don't grow old. They never cease to exist. And they can suffer. They're spirits. They're not bound by time and space. But they're not omnipresent. That's an important thing, especially when we talk about demons. They can't be everywhere all the time, but they are not bound by time and space like we are. Okay, So they can transit. They can make different appearances in different places, but they're not omnipresent like God. And that's important. Why? Because Satan is nothing more than a fallen angel. He's a created being. He's the highest of the angels that fell. He's the highest angel that was ever created but he's still just an angel that fell, okay? So he's not omnipresent. Sometimes it seems like he is, but he has, I would assume, millions of uh, fallen angels that follow him and give him reports, so it almost seems like he's omnipresent. Angels are wise, but they're not omniscient. They don't know everything. Angels are mighty, but they're not omnipotent. They have more power than we do, but they're inferior to God by far. And they're inferior to us in their relationship with God. In other words, although angels have greater power than we do, it's human beings alone that are made in the image of God. This is amazing. The Bible says that angels are going to return with Christ in Matthew 25, 31, the holy angels with him. But it's us, it's humans that will return with Christ as well, and we will reign with him. According to Jude, verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. And then we're going to be ruling and reigning, according to Revelation 5.10, that we're going to be made kings and priests and will reign on the earth. Pretty cool. So it is humans that occupy the primary place in God's created order. And angels are amazed by the fact that God has offered us salvation. I'll talk a little bit about what's called demon faith from James next time. Angels, angels believe, well, they were never given the offer of salvation, but we have. And that blows angels' minds. 
Okay. How do we know that? First Peter 1.12, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. They're amazed by the fact that God sent his son for you. And I'm amazed by it too. It's incredible. Think about this. Think about this. I believe there are angels even around us now. You might not see them with your eyes, but I believe that you can see them in other ways. There was a husband and wife that took a hummingbird feeder back to the store that they had bought it. And the man asked why they were returning it. And they said, well, because we put it out for two weeks and we did not have one hummingbird come to the feeder. And the owner said, well, where do you live? And they said where they lived. And and the owner said, you know, I have other customers that are in your same area and they see hummingbirds. So the the owner of the store said, hey, listen, I want you to take it and, and, and keep it a little bit longer. He said, they're very, very small and they're well disguised. But if you'll have eyes to see you will see hummingbirds. And so may we have eyes to see the spiritual things that are around us. May we have eyes to see the times that God has really miraculously helped us. A big, huge piece of tire flying toward our vehicle, barely missing. But I remember another time we were driving in Togo. And I was with Dr. Stringer, and we were in a vehicle that was driven by one of the nationals. It was a four-wheel drive, kind of a Jeep type of vehicle, and there was a big truck in front of us that had a a load of big rocks like that. And one of those rocks, uh, the truck hit a bump. Some of those rocks came off and started bouncing on the road. One came up and hit the windshield. Just bam, woke us up. But somehow that windshield did not break. Are angels helping us? I think if you have eyes to see, you'll see them. We know they exist because it says it in scripture. I know that some of us probably wouldn't be alive today without them. And I believe in them. No, we don't pray to them. We don't worship them. But we thank God for them. We say, thank you, Lord, that you have given us help. Do we need help in this world? Absolutely. Absolutely, and I'm thankful that there are angels and that those angels are for us, for those that have received Jesus Christ, for those that that know the book and want to live by the book. You have angels, the good angels, the holy angels. Then those angels are marveling at the fact that God provided salvation to you. Isn't that amazing? That God would come and live the perfect life that we couldn't live, and be nailed to the cross. Certainly, the demons were excited when Jesus was being nailed to the cross. And I'm sure the good angels were trying to come in and and probably had to be held back by Michael and say, no, this is what he wants. He's willingly dying because he could have called 12 legion of angels, the Bible says. But he said, no, I'm going to do this because I love these humans that I made. Incredible. How much does God love you? 
It's beyond comprehension how much he loves you. You say, well, then how come I have all these bad things happen to me? Hey, don't blame God. He sent his son to die for you. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him. That's how you're saved, not by your works, not by your religion, but by trusting Jesus who did it all for you on the cross. You believe in him, you will not perish, which is hell, but have everlasting life, which is heaven. It's by grace that we're saved through faith in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. We all have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've rebelled. We've lied. We've cheated. We have not treated people the way we should have. Our sin separates us from a holy and righteous God. And that's why Jesus came, a willing sacrifice, to die for our sins. Angels can't understand that. They're looking into this. They can't believe it. That we have been provided salvation. There's no hope for those demons that fell. But there is hope for humans that have fallen. For we have all fallen. And if you'll put your trust in Jesus who died for your sin and arose. You'll be saved. Forever. And then you'll have the protection of God on you. Your soul and spirit will never perish. But you'll have everlasting life. And I can't wait for the day when we all gather around the throne with millions of others and millions of angels, and we sing praises to God who is worthy.